Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Friday podcast. Um, it's actually being uploaded on a Friday for once, you know. A lot of my friends have said to me, uh, why why don't you upload on Fridays if it's called Football Friday? And, and I kind of... It was uh it was a good joke to be fair, but um no today I've I've decided to to come back on on onto the podcast because I've missed a few episodes and uh, before we get into what we're what we're talking about today I'd like to I'd like to address why exactly um I think my last episode was was a simple game um game week review and to be honest I I just I just lost a, a little bit of motivation because of the because obviously the lockdown we're in here in the UK and. Uh, the days are very short. There's not too much going on. You can't really leave the house, and I, I found myself stuck in a, in a bit of a rut, really. So, um, I I th- I think it's important that we uh, that we talk about it because it is a tough it's a, it's a tough it's a tough time that we're all going through here, and um, I think that that if we if we work together and we talk together, we'll 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 get through it really easily, and um, I think that's something that's hugely important um, because of the times we're currently living in. Anyway, aside from that, uh, today's, obviously you can see the title, we're going to be doing a, a mid-season review. Now, the reason I've decided to do this is because obviously I have missed a few game weeks um, due to due to the, the podcast obviously not, not being on for the last few game weeks. Um, so, so what I've really decided to do is to kind of look at the season as a whole from halfway through. So what we're going to do is basically break it down in terms of any surprises that that we might have um, not expected to see this season. Uh, that that's going to be kind of surprise teams. We've also got kind of managers who maybe have surprised me a little. Uh, players who have maybe come in from the transfer window have been have been very good. Who who might have flopped, and also predictions for the rest of the season. So season. Um. So I think it's going to be a really really good episode, and uh, it'll be really interesting to compare. Um. What the season is like compared to what we all expected it to be. So to begin with here, we're going to be looking at teams that have quite surprised me. Um, to begin, I think the best way to look at it is is to compare the table now to what I kind of predicted at the start of the season. So at the start of the season, before a ball was kicked, I did have Liverpool to win the league again. I thought the fact that they had added Thiago the um the Jota signing as well I thought was really really huge but I don't think anybody expected the injury crisis that Jurgen Klopp has had to deal with uh Virgil van Dijk obviously their their main center back has has been out for for a long time with an ACL injury um the same with Joe Gomez injured on international duty uh Diego Jota was was injured very early into his Liverpool career as well and I think this accumulation of injuries really does reflect on Liverpool's form this season they're currently sitting fourth in the league. Uh, they're four points behind Manchester United in second, and seven behind City, who are at the top. Um, and I think that's that's a fairly fair reflection of of what Liverpool have been like this season. I think a lot of Liverpool fans will be very very quick to point out the fact that they've lost a lot of defenders. But to me, looking at it from the outside, I don't think defensively that's really been a huge issue for them. You look at earlier on the season when they conceded seven to Villa. You know they had Van Dijk playing, they had all their their big guns um, playing before they got injured. But it's really been at the other end of the pitch that they've really struggled. Um, you look at you look at Salah. Salah is having a very good season, but I kind of look to Mane, Firmino, and also into the midfield where I'm not really seeing a lot of chances being created. And um, 
Trent and Robertson haven't really hit the heights they have um, they've they've been like last last previous seasons. So it's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool um, recover from these disappointing results. Um, I'm recording this on a Thursday. It's going to go out on a Friday tomorrow, Friday the fifth. Uh, as it stands, Liverpool have just lost to Brighton. They've um, drawn with Manchester United recently. They've lost to Burnley, um, and those two those two bottom bottom club teams, um, lower league teams, should I say? They were both at home, and they've broken that Anfield record that has has stood for a very long time. So Liverpool, they're, they're still very much in the title race, but I think they've made it really, really difficult for themselves. As I've said, the injuries have obviously hugely impacted them, but it's not so much defensively they've they've struggled, I think. Um, it's, it's going forward. But one argument I can see for... Um, for 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 Liverpool is the fact that they've had to play Henderson and Fabinho in in defence. Now, the the impact that both of those players make in the midfield is huge, and I think it's really vital as to how Liverpool f- play and function. So I think by dropping them all the way back to centre back, you're having to kind of play a little bit of a makeshift midfield. As well as that, I don't think Thiago has made the impact that we all expected. Um, don't get me wrong; he's an absolutely fantastic player, but um, I don't know if he fits the Liverpool DNA of kind of high energy, fast passing, the kind of, when you compare him and, and Jordan Henderson, they're two polar opposite players, really. I think um, he's very calm, likes to control the game, take things easy, not in a, not in a lazy way, but he, he very much likes to kind of roam around whilst you've got Jordan Henderson, who's kind of screaming, um, screaming and, and, and encouraging players, players on uh, throughout the games, high energy runs, covers it covers every blade of grass in the pitch so um i'm not too sure if tiago is going to be the player he, we all thought he would be um especially when when you look back at the Bayern um the Bayern team he was playing in he was predominantly playing in the kind of cdm role um the um the role of, of basically um controlling the game playing the passes taking it from the center backs and and kind of going from there and i'm not sure if if he's the man to do that for Liverpool, because I think Fabinho uh, in at CDM is the best in his position in the world, and I think with a fully fit Liverpool side, I I, I can't really see how Thiago fits in, um, based on based on his current form. But um, yeah, I think I think Thiago he's struggled a little bit, but maybe that's just the adjusting period. You know, we've seen with players like Fred from Manchester United, his first season wasn't great. Um, Again, a lot of the a lot of the Man City guys who've come in, you know, Phil Foden's taken a while to adjust. I know he's very young, but um, again, it's a it's a real step. It's a real step in in a different direction. I was I was going to say a step up. I suppose it is a step up going from Bundesliga to Premier League, but um, it's definitely very different, very fast paced, physical, and uh, we'll have to wait and see how Thiago uh, adjusts. But for for at the moment, Liverpool uh, they're not looking not looking their best, and they're not looking prime Liverpool. Um, as of yet, but we'll have to wait and wait and see how, how they uh, how they do in the rest of the season. Um, looking at the start of the season again, I had Manchester City to finish second. Um, the reason behind this is I think they brought in some some really good signings in in Nathan Ake. Um, they had Joe Cancelo who's come in recently as well. Um, who's played a lot of games and he's performed really really well. Um, and Ruben Diaz as well. Uh, I think he's been by far the best centre-back in the Premier League so far this season. 
and uh, it's it's a it's a very strange City team. Um, l- looking at the start of the season, City had a very very aging squad. So we saw David Silva go. We've seen we've seen a lot of their experienced players kind of slowly been been I suppose weeded out of the team. Really, Sergio Aguero's he's not the same player he was. He's picking up mus- muscle injuries left, right, and center. So it's it's very interesting how Guardiola has has approached this season, and um, I was I was I was quite doubtful of Guardiola this season because he's he's never in his career has he um, actually kind of gone to a club and and rebuilt it. Um, when you look at when he's come into Barcelona, he's had a, a fantastic ready-made team there. Same with Bayern Munich. Same when he came to Man City first. But obviously he's 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 been at uh, Man City for a few years now, and that squad when he when he arrived was aging, but also in its prime. So I think Guardiola has has done has done well so far in in um, addressing certain areas. You know, Phil Foden has come on leaps and bounds. He's really really impressed me this season. Um, very much the David Silva replacement that we all expected. And then you look at um, in the defensive areas. He's he's recruited quite well. You know, Jao Cancelo um, has has been fantastic for them. Able to cover both left back and right back. Um, with with Benjamin Mendy struggling to to hit form and and Zinchenko frankly not not really good enough for me so I think he's addressed the right areas and and what I think was was really interesting was how the the Ruben Diaz signing has has impacted Man City now um, before before Diaz signed we all knew Laporte was was by far Man City's best centre back and and arguably arguably the the second best centre back in the league um, behind Virgil Van Dijk but. Um, the way the way Man City have been playing this season, they've they've played with um, John Stones beside Diaz. Now, I was I've never I've never really rated John Stones to be honest. Um, I think he's very good on the ball, but defensively he's he's been a liability most of his career. But um, the the impact that Diaz has made on on John Stones' playing style and and how much more confident and calm he is 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 amazing. Really, um, it's it's almost like he's he's kind of He's it's like a new player, really. When you look at John Stones this year, and I'm, I'm I'm not really too sure why why the combination of of Diaz and Laporte um wasn't uh wasn't taken by by Guardiola, but um when you look at you you can't really question it when you've seen the impact that Stones and and Diaz have made at the back. Um, honestly, Stones looks like a brand new player, and, and Diaz. I think the thing, the the key to why John Stones has has been so good is. I think he likes to kind of venture on a little bit more, and and Diaz is happy to kind of sit there and and cover him. And I and I think when when it comes to the under pressure moments, when when Man City are under the firing line um, against big teams or small teams, when when the other team are are dominating in in an, in an attacking sense, I think John Stones is a lot more calmer, knowing that Diaz is behind him or beside him. Um, and that if he does make a mistake or if he does kind of go out to, to press the ball, that Diaz is going to be there to, to kind of clean up. So I think the confidence that um, Diaz has instilled in John Stones is really good. And it's 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 um, I think we're seeing the best the best John Stones this year and and uh, a really, really defensively strong Man City. When you look at uh, in previous years, it was very much they had a fantastic attack, but their defense was always you could always get at them because of the high line they always played. You looked at um, players like Otamendi, who who's obviously gone to Benfica as part of the Diaz deal, and uh, there was always frailties there. But I think the addition of Diaz and Cancelo has just really, really solidified that defense, and um, it's almost as if the other end is the issue, the attacking end. Um, Man City playing a, a lot of the season without a striker. Um, as I've said, Aguero out injured. 
Um, Gabriel Jesus has has um, he he's been available at times, but when he's played, it doesn't look like he makes the impact he he should. Although he did score last night, so um, maybe maybe he's finding a bit of form. But uh, a lot of games they're playing with a false nine, and that was uh, that was kind of an interchanging front three of maybe Sterling would dip into the false nine, or or De Bruyne has has played false nine. Um, so what I think what Guardiola has done with the players he has is at at his disposable at his disposal is 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 really really good, and I think they are deservedly top of the league. Um, by far the the best defensive um, defensive team in the league that I've seen. They just look so so solid and incredibly difficult to break down. Um, and I think that's 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 probably a big key as to why they um, why they are top of the league. They've they've won all their last five games. They have um, yeah, as I've said, a fantastic defensive record. Um, only conceded 13 goals this season, which is which is fantastic when you look at Manchester United in second, who've conceded 27, and and Leicester and Liverpool, third and fourth, who've conceded 25. You know, there's there's a clear there's a there's a clear indication as to why they're doing so well because of the the solid defense and the attack they have going forward. You've got players like Mares who can cause a huge amount of problems. Sterling, we've seen over the years how how consistent he's been, and. Uh, I think at the start of the season, when when you saw Leicester put five past Man City and and they drew with Leeds, you think you're kind of thinking to yourself, maybe it's going to be a bit of a struggle with with Guardiola and and this rebuild. But um, they've definitely found their form and and deservedly top. Um, and I think it's going to be as it stands. I think they will win the league. But um, there's there's plenty of games to play and and there's not many points between the teams. But um, I think in a title-winning team, you 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 need a solid defense. I think there's a saying, you know, attacks can can score you goals, but defenses win you titles, and I think this is going to be the case here. So, Manchester City, as it stands, February fourth, I think they will win the Premier League. Um, but we'll 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 come back to that, and we'll see at the end of the season how they how they got on. Um, referring back to the to the beginning of the season again, I had Chelsea finishing third. Now, the reason I had Chelsea so high up was the fact that they had an absolutely amazing summer transfer window. I think they spent in excess of two hundred million pounds. Um, you could definitely see Roman Abramovich um, taking advantage of the window. They 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 started really strong with Hakim Ziyech, um, with a deal of being agreed for him in January to to then move to Chelsea in the summer. Um, they also had Timo Werner come in, Kai Havertz, um, all for big money, seventy million they paid for Kai Havertz, uh, about forty for forty for Werner, and um, bought a new keeper as well. You know, we all we all know that that Kepa was a a bit of a liability in in goals, so they managed to get a new keeper. They brought in the very experienced uh, Thiago Silva, and and Ben Chilwell at left back. So you look all over the pitch, and Chelsea were able to address all of the issues that they had last season um as they were playing a very very young team um with 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 guys like Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount and um Marcus Alonso was playing left back and and you could see that defensively he definitely wasn't wasn't up to it so the 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 Chilwell signing did make a lot of sense but it but it hasn't quite gone the way we all expected with Chelsea now they they started off very strong i think they were top of the league for for a number of weeks um 
they're they're some of their some of their new players making quite a big impact. Um, Thiago Silva looked looked okay in a few games. He had a few shaky games. I look back to that West Brom game where where he gave away the goal, and um, I think I think that that Chelsea might have have bought too many players in at once. Which which I really didn't think I'd be saying, but um, Frank Lampard was was unable to get the best out of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, trying to squeeze them all into the one team. The, he was he was chopping and changing the team every week. It seemed like there was a different front three playing. He had Werner pushed out in the left wing, and and I know Werner is capable of playing on the left wing. He he played there at times for for Leipzig, but I think Werner down the middle is where you're going to get the best out of him. Um. Similar thing with with Havertz. He he played as a as a false nine for for Leverkusen last year, and he's been pushed into the kind of midfield three or right in the right wing. And I think they the, ultimately that played a, a huge part as to why these two these two huge summer signings have have not made the impact we all expected. Uh, yeah, and 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 ultimately the the per run of form did get get Frank Lampard sacked and and. To me, I think that was 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 very very harsh. You know, I look back to when when Lampard first came in, um, and you you knew as a football fan, you know Chelsea again. This is a club legend, a manager who's gonna need time to to rebuild in in a club where you know you don't usually get time. You usually have kind of a two year lifespan, and then that's gone. But the impression that I got was when they did sign him, they got him from. They brought Frank Lampard in from Derby that that he was going to be there for, for the long run and, and really rebuild the team. But um, ultimately, Roman Abramovich and, and the Chelsea board lost patience after after a poor run of form and um, brought in Thomas Tuchel from previously from PSG, who was sacked just before Christmas. So Chelsea currently currently sitting eighth. Um, they they have Christian Pulisic back. They have Ziyech, um kind of struggling a little bit with injury, but but does play a lot. And uh, it will be interesting to see how Chelsea recover this season. I think once the Chelsea board kind of saw that maybe top four wasn't on the cards, they just simply pulled the plug on, on Frank Lampard. Um, very harshly, in my opinion, because I think in this situation, it's it's not all down to the manager i think some of the some of the new signings simply haven't been good enough and haven't applied themselves well enough um and obviously chelsea have a, a tradition of of players kind of throwing managers under the bus a little bit um regardless of regardless of the the usual chelsea manager lifespan so it's it's difficult to to kind of guess was it a was it a player power problem or was it simply frank lampard not being good enough and um ultimately i think it was a combination of both so Chelsea's sitting eighth in the eighth in the table currently, and uh, it will be interesting to see how how Thomas Tuchel can can recover their season. Really, you know, he is German himself. It, I think part of the reason Chelsea have brought him in is is to try and get the best out of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Um, he's he's found a place for Timo Werner in the team so far. Um, no, sorry, Kai Havertz has been in the team, but Timo Werner has been dropped to the bench from what I've seen. Um, but uh, I think. I think there's more to come from Chelsea. I, I wouldn't expect them to get back into the top four. I think the top four we currently have now of, of Man City, Man United, Leicester and Liverpool, I, I'm not so sure that'll change. I think Leicester have been hugely consistent and what cost them last year was injuries. I think um, I think it's going to be Europa League places for Chelsea. 
But um, of course, only Arsenal only two points behind Chelsea, considering the season they've had. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a season that anything can happen, really. So I'm 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 going to be watching Chelsea closely and seeing what's what's different about um, about them with their new manager. But currently sitting eighth, not where Chelsea should be. But um, I think there's a lot more to come. Next, looking back to to the team I had in fourth place, uh, fourth place in the table at the start of the season was Manchester United. Um, the reason I had them only in fourth was because of the summer transfer window. I didn't think they addressed the problems that they that they should have. Uh, it's very clear to I think all fans that um, they they need a centre back. Maguire and Lindelof aren't aren't the best of combinations in my opinion. I think Maguire and Bailly are very good because they complement each other very well. In terms of the fact that uh, Bai is is fast, um, fast across the ground, is able his recovery pace is is really really good, and then Maguire can can cover everything aerially and one on one defenders blocks he's very good at, but um, again a little bit slow um, sometimes panics on the ball, playing out from the back. So I think a centre back was was huge for United in that window, and it was it was it was an area they they just simply didn't address. Um, the next, the next position that 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 I thought they should have gone for was a, a central defensive midfielder. The reason for that is uh, United play a four-two-three-one formation, and obviously with with two CDMs, you, you're going to need a top quality one within there. And I think United are, are missing that at the moment. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's kind of preferred two two CDMs are McTominay and Fred, especially for the big games. Sometimes he'll chop and change and maybe put Pogba in as one of them or or Matic in as one of them. But um, I, I don't think United have that top quality CDM that the likes of Liverpool and, and Man City have in, in Rodri and, and Fabinho. So I think that's another area that needs to be addressed by, by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer next summer. But um, in terms of who they did recruit, they, they, they managed to bring in Alex Tellez in at left back. So a bit of cover for Luke Shaw, who was um, who was playing nearly every game last season and and is now able to get a rest in some of the cup games and, and Europa League games that they're they're going to be playing this season. As well as that, they, they brought in Donny van de Beek from uh, Ajax. Um, a very good signing uh, when, when he first signed. Um, you thought this this could be the guy that could maybe cover that CDM role or, or maybe go out wide or, or possibly um, maybe, maybe be the understudy to, to Bruno Fernandes. But really surprisingly he he's barely featured at all this season and it's it's really baffling to know why because as a Manchester United fan myself when I when I watch him when he plays in the cup games and things like that um he he he's in the number 10 role when when Bruno's being rested but every time he plays he plays well and it's it's really it's really difficult to figure out why why he doesn't start um some of the bigger games Especially when when you've got um, some of the wide players out of form, like um, Mason Greenwood hasn't hasn't been at his best this season. Rashford um, ha- has scored a good number of goals, but again has been in and out of form. And and you kind of wonder to yourself, um, you wonder was this an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer signing, or was this simply the case of Van der Sar, the CEO of Ajax, ringing up Ed Woodward and saying, "Look, we've got a guy available here. Here's the price. It's not very it's not very big." Um, for, for a top quality player who's a Dutch a Dutch international and has played in a Champions League semi final, uh, do you want him? And and maybe it was the case of Ed Woodward just just taking the offer as as Real Madrid looked like they were they were really interested in the signing as well. So 
yeah, it's it's been a strange one. Van der Beek has, has really, really struggled to get in the team, and, and when he's played, he's played well, and yet he, he barely's, barely gets any minutes. So it's it's definitely the one thing that no no United United fan could explain to you as to why he doesn't get minutes. But um, Oli has said in previous press conferences that he will be a hugely important player. So maybe this year is, is simply about settling in. Maybe he doesn't think um, he, he, he complements the, the current midfielders well enough. Um, some say he was a Pogba replacement in case he left. Um, so we'll have to wait and see with Van der Beek. But no doubt there's a there's a quality player there. And um, I think he's going to be hugely useful in the Europa League especially. Um, after United were knocked out of the Champions League at the group stage. Um, and I think he's going to be I think he's going to be really important in, in the success of of United's season, whether that be in cup competitions or or in the Premier League. Um, and then the the other big signing for for United was Edinson Cavani up front um, on a free agent, uh, having recently been um, his contract at PSG had had just finished. So United uh, were able were able to do that deal on deadline day. Um, now, me personally, I, I didn't like the signing at first. I thought Cavani's past it. He's 33. He's out of it. He, he, he'd never started for PSG. It was always a Cardi. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, right, fair enough. We, we there, was, there was cover needed at striker for United because Martial was struggling, sometimes does struggle in and out of form. Um, Rashford, again, not, not the best up front. Rashford's much, much better off the left wing. So... In some ways, the signing did make sense because the, a striker was needed for United. But at the same time, was that the best striker available on the market? And and if so, he's a free agent. You could have done that at at, at any point during the summer, and you chose to do it on on deadline day. So again, a weird a weird signing from United, but he's he's really proved to be so so vital. I, I've been hugely hugely impressed with Cavani's work rate. On and off the ball, his movement in the box is is the best, probably the best in the Premier League. I would say in in terms of strikers' movement and getting the right getting in the right areas, uh, I think he he really really adds a lot to to Manchester United's game. Um, his his link up with Bruno Fernandez has been really really good. They complement each other well. I think he brings Rashford, Greenwood, Martial into the game a lot more, and I think even defensively he he does his his, his work. Um, and a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people like like myself when he did sign, think thought he was kind of washed up, um, coming towards the end of his career. But you know, from what I've seen so far, I, I see somebody who's really really hungry, who's who's not um, in any way, um, in any way close to kind of finishing his career. So I think he adds a, a, a huge a huge amount of quality to to United, and I think he's going to be a vital vital player as well this season. Um, for me, he has to start every every big game at number nine. Martial again ha- has been struggling with form, but um, yeah, United winning nine nil against Southampton, you could see how how good he he was in that game. I think he got man of the match from from some pundits, uh, but no, he he's been really really impressive, and I I'd like to see I'd like to see him. Uh, again play next year hopefully i think there's a there's an option to extend for another year in his contract but he's been he's been hugely hugely impressive Cavani. um in terms of what i expected from united this year again you look back to last season and they were really 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 poor before bruno fernandez came in in late late january that was um and then all of a sudden that 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 signing just simply turned the table and they were they 
couldn't stop winning really. Um, I think an interesting statistic is is the the Premier League table since Bruno has signed. Uh, United are second from top, um, ahead of Liverpool. I think Man City are the only ones that that are ahead of them. So you can you can really see the impact that that Bruno has made, and and I think Cavani could make a similar impact. You know, just because he doesn't score doesn't mean he doesn't add a lot to the team. And I think his movement and how he brings brings players into the game could be really really huge for United. Um, they had a really, really slow start to the season. Uh, Oli said that they didn't really get um, a pre-season this year due to playing in the Europa League quite late into into August. Uh, so I think I didn't I didn't expect I didn't have high expectations for United this season, but they've definitely exceeded my expectations. I think uh, especially the consistency away from home. I don't think they've lost away from home in in over a year, which is which is really really impressive. But the one thing for for me that they need to improve on is their their um, approach to the big games. As I previously said, um, Ollie likes to play McTominay and Fred in 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 at CDM for the, for the big games, and I think that 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 hinders United a little bit because of the fact that they don't really go for the the big teams when they've played the the Liverpools, the Man Cities, the the Chelsea's, they, they they just kinda seem to sit back and be really cautious, kinda the approach of don't concede, we can't concede. And and I'm not too sure that a team that are trying to push for the title, can can you have that approach? I think United are another another year away from, from winning the league. I think next year, de- dependent on, on signings, they, they can definitely push for the league. But this year I think their approach has been has been really, really kind of scared at times. They they don't tend to go for it against the big teams. I don't think they've beaten a single big team at all this year. And and when you look back at previous title winning seasons, what team that has won the league hasn't? You know, the team that wins the league wins the big games, and and United simply simply have not been doing that. So for that reason, I don't think they will win the league. I think it's going to be Manchester City or Liverpool. Maybe I think City have it due to their defensive uh, strength. But um, I think the approach from United and the manager needs to change next year. I think they they just don't go for it. And maybe that's a case of Oli just doesn't think he has the players to do that. Maybe he thinks if they do go for it and, and try and get a few goals against the big teams that they'll be cut open. But we've seen no evidence of, of that because of the fact that they have been so reserved and so defensive. So it will be interesting next season to, to see if they do go for it. it if we're looking at um, the same story next season of simply a very kind of afraid and timid approach, then then huge question marks have to be asked of the manager, um, and and not the team because by that by that stage the team will have gelled, they, they will have been together with that manager for for a few years by then. Um, but but as for this season, they can definitely push Man City as to if they can they can win it. I, I don't think so at all. But. Um, I'm looking forward to see, seeing what they can do and and seeing how um, how the team can progress. As for the Europa League places, I had I was I was struggling between three teams for fifth and sixth. It was Leicester, Spurs, and Arsenal. I think I don't obviously I, I'm just going off my memory of of what I predicted at the start, but um, I think it was Spurs fifth and Leicester sixth. Um, the reason behind that kind of prediction was it was Mourinho's second season for Spurs and, and historically Mourinho's second season is his best season. Um, but at the same time, I didn't think Spurs had the squad depth that um, some of the other some of the other teams above them had. Um, one player that I've been hugely impressed with for, for Spurs was Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. 
in at CDM. Um, they bought him in from Southampton, I think, for for about fifteen million or something. Um, that that was that was a huge a huge signing in terms of the impact he's made because he covers every blade of grass. He he's hugely kind of a, he's a really aggressive player, likes to get the tackles in, and uh, he's a real Mourinho player, a real a real fighter, and he'll do anything he can to to try and help his team win. Um, so yeah, I've been hugely hugely impressed with him. Of course, the two main men up front, um, Hugman Son and Harry Kane, have been firing like like mad really this season. the The start of the season, they were unbelievable. They were assisting and scoring with each other. The they were putting kind of five six pass teams, and then it all began to kind of unravel for Tottenham. They 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 lost to to Liverpool. Um, they've they've lost to Brighton now most recently. Um, and. It's, it's, it's difficult to know why it might be a case of Mourinho's past it or or the fact that their squad isn't really good enough you know there's been huge question marks about players like Eric Dyer um Damson Sanchez at the back Alderweireld does he is he past his prime as well but um Spurs they're they're a very strange team because they kind of have their games where they're really on it but when they're not on it they're they're so so far off the pace um, another player that's really impressed me this season is is Ndombele. In it, he's kind of playing in behind Kane, um, and I think that that has proven to be his, his best position. He scored a fantastic goal against Sheffield United um, a few weeks ago, and uh, overall he's just so skillful and, and quite strong and agile. And I think he really really suits that that role in behind Kane, where he kind of has a bit more freedom and and isn't as restricted as as the likes of um, Hoiberg and Sissoko um, playing as the two sitting deeper so and Dombele again when when you look at him under Pochettino he he was barely getting any game time he didn't when he when he did play he didn't look good at all I think he was playing too deep um if I'm honest but I think Mourinho has given him that little bit of license to go forward and I think he carries the ball so well he's so strong on the ball and so skillful able to get out of really really tight situations and um I've been I've been just hugely impressed with him and and when they bought him I was really gutted because um it was said that that the United were in for him too, but um, I think I think it was about sixty million they paid for him. But I think that's proven to be a really really good signing for Mourinho. Obviously, it was Pochettino that that signed him, but I think Mourinho has definitely gotten the best out of him. Like he's gotten the best out of Kane in this kind of new false nine role that that I've been I've been really impressed with him in as well. Um, I think it's it's difficult. I was listening to a debate about whether the Kane's new role as kind of a center forward kind of playing a bit deeper and providing the assists was down to Mourinho or was that down to himself kind of with the injuries slowing down a bit and trying to go a little bit less kind of gung-ho with um with the way he plays you know Kane's not traditionally a very fast player but he he's he's been able to transform his game in, in that some of the passes he makes are are De Bruyne like in terms of how, how good and how, how effective they are he's able to play in He's almost like kind of a, a, a fourth midfielder, really, with um, Ndombele, Hoiberg and, and Sissoko. So I've been hugely, hugely impressed with, with Kane as to how he's transformed his game almost to, almost to like a support striker by himself, if that makes any sense. But um, again, Son, consistently good, consistently getting goals. And, and you, you kind of wonder to yourself, with all these guys playing well, Ndombele, Kane, Son... Hoiberg, how how are they how are they struggling so much in the league? And I think that's I think that's down to their their defense and possibly mentality. I think they have 
their squad depth isn't good enough for me, and I think with with the injuries that that Tottenham do tend to pick up, um, I I don't think the players coming in like Lamella, like Harry Winks, aren't good enough to be to be getting them into the top four. So, um, at the same time, I've been hugely impressed with Tottenham, but again, I can see. I can see the frailties in the squad and I can see why why they're really struggling. Um moving on to Leicester, they've they've been really really consistent. I think Brendan Rodgers is a is a fantastic manager. He he's managed to get the best the best out of nearly every player in that squad. When you look at um Soyuncu for example, he's uh, he's actually not starting many games this season because of uh because of the form that Fofana and and Johnny Evans have had, but um Again, he when when one of those players is injured, um, Fofana at the moment is is injured. He's able to come in and do the job, and uh, I think I think Rogers as a as both man manager and, and tactical coach is is really really good. Um, you look at Vardy; I think he's like 33, 34 now. Looks shows no signs of of slowing down at all. Um, James Madison again coming in; he's getting goals and assists. He's added a lot more of those to his game, which I've been really impressed with because. I th- I've always thought Madison was a was a good player, but I think this season he's showing he's a he's a very good player. So he's he's one to watch out for. I think Madison he's getting a lot of assists, a lot of goals. He he's very focused and 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 just just wants to win like like the whole of the Leicester squad really. Um, I think again as I previously mentioned, Leicester the reason they didn't get top four last year was because of injuries to to players like Madison. Um, and and defenders and 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 I think Tielemans was out for for a while as well last year, so they've got everybody fit pretty much apart from Pereira. Um, and and James Justin has been doing a really good job at left back as well. So anytime I watch Leicester, I'm, I'm really impressed. They play great football. They they're always looking on the front foot. Um, Harvey Barnes, he's another player that I've been really really impressed with. He's another player that has like Madison has added goals to his game. And I think overall, um, if if Leicester can avoid these injuries and and continue building the squad that that Rogers looks like he he has a good grasp on, then I don't see any reason why they couldn't kind of break the the stigma of the traditional big six who are quite spread out in terms of their positions across the league. So I think Leicester's in third at the moment. I'm not sure if they have enough. I said it's it's difficult to call. I think. I think Leicester will finish fourth at the end of this season. I I wonder if Chelsea or Tottenham will will be able to catch them and and try and get a bit of form together. But it's 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 very difficult to call. But in terms of what Leicester have done this season, it's been it's been really really good. And Rodgers gets the best out of everybody. Plays great football, and it's difficult to <laughs> it's difficult to to really dislike Leicester because what they're doing is 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 fantastic. Next, we're we're going to be kind of looking outside the top the top six now. Um, in terms of of where where I kind of expected everybody to finish, I think this section mid table to lower mid table section is is going to be a lot more a lot different, and uh, I don't think I'll be going into as much detail. But um, West Ham are currently in fifth place in the table on thirty eight points, and and they have really really um impressed me as well. I think. 
at the start of the season, everybody, I suppose West Ham were kind of an outside shout to, to be relegated, but they've they've brought in Suchek, who's who's been absolutely fantastic. Him and him and Rice is a, a great midfield duo, and he's managed to get forward. and I think he's got eight goals from open play, which is more than guys like Bruno Fernandez and Kevin De Bruyne, which is which is really amazing because it's 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 really strange with with West Ham and the way Suchek specifically plays. He He's often found alongside Rice, and then all of a sudden when West Ham go forward, you just see Suchek bombing on up front. All of a sudden he's alongside guys like Antonio up front, and he's able to to get in great positions. I think his positional sense is absolutely fantastic. Um, aerial, aerially, he's he's top, top quality, and, and that looked, that that's looked like a really, really big signing for West Ham. Um, Suchek, is, he's definitely been one of the best midfielders in the league this season. Um, West Ham just they're just looking a lot more solid and it's difficult to know why because their squad isn't drastically different from previous seasons I look at Suchek I think the difference he's made is is huge Declan Rice I think has come on a lot um, recently when he first came into the team I think it was a year or two ago he was kind of he, he was a decent player but I think now he's proven himself to be a very very good player and a very very valuable player for David Moyes and West Ham uh, club captain now obviously Declan Rice so um, oh, I think it's Mark Noble still, but obviously Mark Noble doesn't start, so the the armband does go to Declan Rice, and, and deservedly so. You know, he he um, he's another player that seems to get the best out of the the team the teammates around him, and uh, I think West Ham have cr- recruited quite well as well. They've bought, they've brought in um, Ben Rama from Brentford, um, recently brought in Jesse Lingard on loan, um, who scored two goals last night, and uh, yeah, they're just looking really consistent, West Ham. They they were they were beaten by Liverpool recently as well, but you know losing to Liverpool is is there's no real shame in, in that when you're I suppose a traditional mid table side. But it'll be interesting to see what what West Ham do. I think David Moyes is really building something here, and I think if you're a West Ham fan, uh, you should be excited because I can I can really see him replicating what he did against Everton, basically building up the squad. Uh, Suchek is almost like the kind of Fellaini type character, Fellaini or Cahill, who's able to arrive into the box at, at these times. And I just think, I just look, I just look at West Ham and I see a carbon copy of the Everton we saw in kind of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Um, and I think West Ham fans would take that, you know, consistently in the top, uh, top six, top eight. Um, whether they can push on from that is 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 a is an even bigger question. But um, I've been hugely impressed with West Ham. They play decent football. They they they've got really good players, and uh, if they're as if they're gonna if they're gonna hold on to this top six spot, I, I don't think so. But um, I think there's a lot to be excited about if you're if you're a West Ham fan. Um, looking looking lower in the table, we've got Everton. They've they've also um they've they've bought quite well. They bought a brand new midfield of of Alan Ducure and James Rodriguez. That was obviously um the main part of the team that Carlo Ancelotti wanted to address at the start of the season. Um, I think they've they've been unlucky with injuries to that midfield. Obviously, De Curie has played nearly every game, and he's been very, very good, very consistent. But Alan has been out for quite a while. Uh, James has kind of been in and out of the team due to injury. When he does play, he looks sharp. He, he gets he gets the goals, and, and I think the, the relationship between James Rodriguez and, and the manager is really, really good. And and that's simply the reason why he brought him into Everton, uh, but um, yeah, I think Calvert Lewin started started the season really really well. Kind of he dipped dipped a bit out of form recently, but he, he got a goal again last night. 
and uh, fantastic positional movement for the for the header at the back post. So um, you know Everton are a solid side. I think they've got a lot more to do in terms of signings. Um, I look at the front three. It's it's difficult. They they change their formation sometimes. Everton they sometimes go to a three at the back, sometimes with the four at the back. But one thing I've noticed is is Alex Awobi plays quite a lot. And personally, I've never. I've never thought he's good enough, but I can understand why he's in the team because of the work rate and the the energy he brings to Everton. But uh, I still think there are certain areas of Everton that are that are quite weak. Um, I think defensively, the goalkeeper Pickford is 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 definitely not good enough. He can be got at, and uh, depth wise, they're still not quite there. But you know. What Ancelotti has done in a in a short space of time has has been really good, and um, I think Everton are in a good are in a good place at the moment. So um, currently sitting sixth in the league, I think that's 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 fair for what they've what they've done and what they've achieved so far this season. So um, we'll have to wait and see what uh, what Everton do for the rest of the rest of the season. Moving on down the table, in at ninth is is Aston Villa. Um, they they were able to bring in Ollie Watkins from from Brentford. Um, Brentford losing their two best players in in Ben Rama and uh, Watkins to to Premier League sides, and you know Watkins has made he's made a really good impact. You know Grealish has has stepped up again um, this season and has been a huge player for them. And and Watkins has has been the the vocal point at. Uh, at the at the front of of Aston Villa's team, you know he's he's getting goals. His positional sense is very good. He he's a good finisher. So um, Villa again for for a team that that just about scraped out of relegation for for two signings, two or three signings to to make the impact they have is is really quite amazing. And and as well as that, you know the league is is very tight this year. You know you look all the way down the table and there's not that many points. There's no big gaps. There's no kind of um in past seasons you can kind of see the the table almost broken up into small small chunks because of the the points gap between between some of the teams. But this year it, it, it's it's very consistent in terms of there there's not many points between between all these sides. So um again Villa some of the some of the teams at the moment at the time I'm recording this have played 22 games. Villa have only played 20. If they're to win their next two games, they'd be up to 38 points, which would put them um, level with West Ham on 38 points. Goal difference only separating the two sides, and that will be Villa up to fifth. But um, again, they, I think they have defensive frailties, and I think ninth reflects reflects um, Villa's season really well. In at tenth is is Arsenal. Um, Arsenal have really, really struggled this season with with form, with some of their players just simply not turning up. You look at signings at like Willian, who who've just simply not done it. Um, they were they were almost fa- facing relegation earlier in the season, where an Arteta was was possibly really close to the sack. But um, you know they've stuck with the manager, and and results have really picked up recently. Um, you look at the game against Chelsea in December, and that that seemed to be the the real turning point for Arsenal ever since then they've been quite consistent and and they've been able to pick up a, a good few points and and rarely losing uh rarely losing any games uh, I know they they've just lost um to Wolves uh 2-1 away but um refereeing decisions they were really really unlucky and uh they played they played a fantastic first half in that game but um two men sent off in the end and you have to question maybe is there a discipline problem at the club David Luiz again getting sent off very harsh um but uh, Arsenal, I, I think they'd be doing well to. 
Uh, top four is completely gone, I think, for Arsenal. But if they can get into the European places, um, I look at what separates Arsenal from the top four. They're currently sitting on 31 points and Liverpool are on, on 40. So that's a nine-point gap. Uh, I can't see that. I can't see that happening personally. But um, you, you can you can see that Arteta is building something. I think the players that he has brought in, bar bar Willian, have been have been have been quite good. Um, I look at uh, Gabriel in at centre back; he's looked pretty good. Uh, I look at um, who else have they brought in? Gabriel. They've brought in Thomas Partey, who's been really really good. I'm a huge huge fan of Thomas Partey. Would have loved him at Manchester United, but um, no. Again, they've been unlucky because Partey has been injured. A lot of the season, but when he's played, he's made a huge, huge difference. I think um, the combination of, of Partey and Jack in the midfield really, really suits Arsenal because of, of Xhaka's kind of range of passing. And then Partey has a lot of energy, but he's got a fantastic pass on him as well. So Arsenal um, started slow, but they're they're looking to they're they're they found their feet, I suppose you could say, and uh, they've they've proven themselves to be really, really difficult to beat. I think they've got the second best defensive record in the league this season, despite being. 10th place um and i think that's quite impressive considering the the season that they've had so traditionally arsenal they've really struggled at the back but i think when arteta came in he understood the the job that he had to do was to solidify the defense and then go from there and and i think he has done that but um at the same time by solidifying the defense he's maybe um starved the attack a little of uh creativity and goals but um with with Aubameyang back in the team Bukayo Saka been been really really impressive this year Lacazette looking good Smith Rowe again looking good they brought in Martin Odegaard on loan from Real Madrid so I can only see things getting better for Arsenal and uh I think this season is a little bit of a write-off just because of how badly they started but I think next season will be interesting to see who they bring in and and how much they can progress In just below Arsenal is is Leeds United, um, a newly promoted Premier League team who who play this this crazy style of football of just attack, 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 um, huge huge energy, and uh, they've they've proven to be to be difficult opponents at times. I think they leave themselves open quite a lot, and it's interesting to see that Bielsa's game plan never changes. It's always the same. You always know what you're going to get with Leeds: high energy. And uh, and and a lot of kind of attacking threat, um, fast-paced football. So I think mid-table is probably where they do deserve to be. I think they've they've been a little bit naive in terms of how they've approached some games. I look at um, the game against United at Old Trafford earlier in the year, where where they seem to just leave themselves wide open. And when you look at United, you know they've got some of the best attack in the league. Um, you look at. Uh, other games where they've just conceded so many goals, they lost to Palace as well, and uh, I think it was four four one or something. And <laughs> I can't remember the last time Palace have scored four goals, but you can see the problems with Leeds. But at the same time, they're just wonderful to watch, and they're 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 really good to have in the league. So um, I think Bielsa is doing a good job. I think people overestimate how good the Leeds squad is. I think Bamford's a decent player. I think they've got a lot of Championship players kind of performing a little bit above their their level but um it'll be interesting to see who they bring in next year um but i think leeds are, are, are a mid-table team and um there's there's not really much more else to say about that below leeds we've got um teams like southampton crystal palace wolves and brighton 
Southampton have have been kind of a bit up and down this season. The, their most recent result was a 9-0 loss to Manchester United. Um, the second time they've lost 9-0 in two seasons, which is which is crazy to think about, really. Um, they were they were really unlucky in that game, actually, to, to go down to 10 men and then obviously went down to nine men. But by by that stage, the, the damage was was pretty much done. Um, but but they've been they've been okay this season. They've been unlucky. Danny Ings has has been out for for a large part of the season, and uh, same with Vestergaard and at centre back. But I think overall, Hassan Hutel's doing doing a decent job, so um, wouldn't be too worried about Southampton. Palace again, just the same old Palace really. I feel like uh, they they just do enough to stay up really each season. I've been really impressed with Eze this season. Uh, great signing from from QPR for only fifteen million. Uh, he's looks he's looked like he's he's really pushed Palace on to another level going forward and uh benteke has been back in the team and and actually scoring so um that kind of combination up front of of Eze, benteke and zaha has has been good for palace and, and ultimately they're that they're the ones that have gotten them the the points to to be in 13th position in the league wolves wolves were unlucky to be out be without their 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 main striker rel jimenez um, due to injury earlier in the season so so they've now brought in um william jose from from real sociedad and uh again they've they've dropped some really silly points i think it's a really disappointing season from a wolves perspective i think you you should expect wolves to be in the top half of the league with some of the players they have but um at the same time, that you have to remember, they've lost Jimenez, they've lost Jota, um, who who's gone to Liverpool, and they've got a, no, a number of young players coming through, like Neto, Pedence, Kilman. So they're going to take a, a season or two to kind of settle in and and get into their get into their prime. But um, I wouldn't be too worried about Wolves either. They're they're not having the best of seasons, but um, no risk of relegation at all. Brighton, they've they've just beaten Liverpool yesterday. Fantastic result for them, and uh, they play they play a really nice. Uh, a really nice way way of kind of playing football they they've they've stuck to their guns they've regardless of of what type of opposition they're coming up against they're going to try and play football and, and they're defensively quite good they've got lewis dunk at the back ben white um you know that they've got a they've got a few good players basuma in midfield has has impressed me a lot and um i think brighton they struggle at times because when when the football they're kind of playing doesn't work when when they're pressed up really high sometimes they struggle and um, I think I think for them the main objective is just to, to just remain up and and stay in the Premier League and uh, I think that's the same for Newcastle just below them to stay in the Premier League uh, I think S- Steve Bruce is, is not not good enough uh, as a manager for Newcastle but I look at their squad and their squad isn't great. I think they've they've been they've they've uh, they've been gotten out of jail with with some of the players they have like Callum Wilson he's he's a great player I think um, he he saved them on a, on a number of occasion of occasions um, Newcastle have been a bit unlucky with with Sam Maximin out out injured and uh, they've 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 sometimes had to play kind of. Uh, players who who usually wouldn't usually play on the wing i've seen joe linton play on the wing a few times and i think that really that really says it all for newcastle again sometimes the 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 style of play is really boring they don't move the ball quick enough at times and i think they're quite an easy team to beat if i'm honest but um they have those games where where their big players turn up and i think that's why they have the number of points they do burnley are, are on the same points as newcastle they they again play play the Burnley way, the long ball, the physical type of, type of game, and they were able to beat Liverpool as well this season. Um, a lot of the top teams always struggle when they go to Burnley or where, or when Burnley come to them, 
and um, it's simply because they they play their own way. They're very physical, very defensive. Not not very pleasing on the eye, but they seem to get the job done with uh, with a squad that that isn't really full with a lot of quality. And um, I've been impressed with 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 how Sean Dyche has, has managed the team because there was there was talks last season of him of him le- possibly leaving Burnley because he wasn't being backed by the board and and not getting the players he wanted. But um, you have to give him credit. The football they play isn't isn't the best to watch, but it it does it does get results. And the the bottom three of, of Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield is is fairly self explanatory itself. You know, you look at the the quality of players all those teams have. They're not they're not the best. Fulham and West Brom just came up um, last season from the Championship, and and Sheffield have have had a lot a lot of injuries, and uh, have have really struggled. And um, although to, to to be fair to Sheffield, they've won three of their last five, so. Possibly you could see them escape, but I, I I would I would put if the if I'm putting money on anybody to escape, I think it's going to be West Brom due to the reputation of Sam Allardyce and uh, the fact that they've brought in a number of players in the January transfer window. But um, do I see the bottom three changing too much? Uh, I don't think so. the The gap between Fulham and, Fulham in in 18th and and Burnley in 17th is is eight points. So I think that's a lot to make up, and I think Burnley are. Are not going to get relegated. Um, I think if anybody's going to be dragged in, it could be Newcastle or Brighton. But um, Brighton's form again has been, has been good recently as well. Three wins, a draw, and a loss in their last five. So um, I think the the bottom three is is close enough to being set for the rest of the season. As to which order they're in is a is a different question. But um, those those bottom teams, I just I just don't think they have the squad to to be. To be sustaining, um, to su- to sustain any any form of any any form at all in the Premier League, if I'm honest. So um, that that that's pretty much it for this podcast. I've I've gone through each of the teams, my thoughts, um, any managers. Kind of, I suppose that the Lampard and Tuchel switch was was a big one. Uh, the the Slavin Bilic, of course, the when West Brom sacked him, that was that was quite a big call um, earlier in the season. But um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll have to wait and see with West Brom how how that goes, but overall that's 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 my that's my take on this season so far. If if you did enjoy the podcast, um, you know, give it a follow. Tell tell your friends. Tell anybody. Tell anybody who who might be interested. And and I think the message for for this podcast itself it's it's quite a long one. I think nearly an hour or or or, or over an hour there thereabouts. But um, it's it's just to remain to remain with a positive mindset. And I think football is is something that all gets us through gets us through these tough times and I think like uh like um this season this season is going to be quite similar to to this year where it, it starts very slow I think 2021 is going to be quite a, a slow starter but hopefully it'll get a lot better and uh we'll be out and and back back to normality in no time so um that's that's everything for me and uh I uh I'll I'll talk to you in the next the next episode <laughs>